Welcome to this series of Bible lessons on the New Testament. In these 42 lessons, we will teach the history of the Lord Jesus as delivered to us in the four Gospels. We will start with the days that led up to Christ's humble birth in Bethlehem. We will then look at his blessed ministry, his suffering, his death, and resurrection. His humble life on earth concludes with his ascension, and after this, the blessed outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, we will teach the calling and ministry of the greatest evangelist that ever lived, Paul the Apostle. These last lessons are taught from the book of Acts and include Paul's missionary journeys. Be sure to use the lesson guide with questions and knowledge exercises presented with these lectures. We hope these lessons are a blessing to you. Thank you. Welcome to our Bible study on the life and the ministry of Christ. In a series of lessons, we wish to follow the events before the birth of Christ, during the time of Christ on earth, as well as the mission work after, especially the mission of Paul. In most of our lessons, we would ask you to turn to a portion of scripture that you could follow to follow the lesson. But in lesson one, there is no particular portion of scripture, but rather we would ask you later to look at the map of Palestine as we go through the geography, but also to keep this map as we travel through the lessons and that way to be familiar with the places where Jesus visits. This lesson is divided into five parts. Lesson one on the history of the Jews. Lesson two, the geography of the land of Palestine. Lesson three is the government of the Jews. Lesson four, a little summary on the feasts of the Jews. And finally, in lesson five, we wish to discuss the Gospels as they are recorded. When we begin with the history of the Jews in part one, we need to understand that there is a 400-year period of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament in which there is nothing recorded. And therefore, we need to rely on history to fill in some of those events. We also cannot cover the whole history of the Jews. And so we wish to begin with the Babylonian captivity. We know that the Jews served idols and that God had warned them many times. He had sent his prophets to warn them to quit to serving idols and to serve God alone. And finally, it was God's time to punish them for their idolatry. And so he sends the Babylonians to capture Judah as they are capturing all the nations around. As so they also come into Judah and they carry away most of the people of Judah into captivity, into exile. 
They do not take all of them. Some of the poorer people are allowed to remain. We think of Jeremiah, for instance, but we will meet some of them later. But then oh, they did not only take the people into exile. The Babylonians also destroyed the city of Jerusalem and the temple. We would say this is the lowest time in the history of the Jews because the Jews were still waiting for the Savior, for the Messiah to come. And the Savior, the Messiah, could not come if there was no temple. And so this would have been the lowest time for many of the Jews, especially the devout Jews, who were waiting not only to be delivered from the Romans, but to be delivered from their sins. Now, the Jews were in exile for 70 years, as was prophesied by Daniel already. And then the Medes and the Persians conquered the Babylonian Empire. And there we already see a very wonderful event, how that God is preparing for the coming of the Messiah. Because their heathen king, Cyrus, God places it in his heart that he will send the Jews back to their land. They must go back to Judah. And not only does he send them back, he gives them a command. They must rebuild the city of Jerusalem and the temple. Oh, he even gives them the materials that they will need in order to build the city and the temple. And so God is preparing the way that Jesus may come in his temple again. The Medes and Persians were then conquered by the Greeks. And the Greeks, again, we notice one event that is noteworthy for the spread of the gospel, and that is that they introduced a universal language. For the first time, there would be one language that would be used throughout the whole empire. This would make it so much easier to spread the gospel throughout the empire. The Greeks, in turn, were conquered by the Romans. And we know that it was during the Roman Empire that the Lord Jesus was born and lived. But the Roman Empire is also noted for having brought peace in the land and for building a network of roads so that it was easier to travel throughout the empire. This again would help prosper the spread of the gospel. Now, when we say travel through the empire, uh, we should also focus on part two, the geography of Palestine. Now, Palestine is only a small country. It is only 250 kilometers from north to south. It is only 80 kilometers from east to west. It lies between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River. Yet, this small country is divided into three parts. We see Judea as the largest province, and Judea is where most of the Jews that have returned from captivity have gone to live. And they felt that they were the more pious, the more devout Jews, because they, of course, were closer to Jerusalem, 
which was the main city of Judea. We also will meet Jesus in different parts of Judea. We think of, for instance, Bethlehem, where Jesus was born. We think of Bethany, where Jesus would often stay in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And yet, the Lord Jesus did not spend most of his time in Judea, but he stayed much of his time in Galilee. Galilee was the northernmost uh, province. It was a smaller province surrounded by heathen countries. Therefore, there was some influence of the heathens, and as a result, the Galileans were a despised people. Yet, we see that Jesus grew up in Nazareth, a city of Galilee. We see that Jesus was often in Capernaum or Bethsaida, where his disciples came from. And we also will meet Jesus often at the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias, where he would be preaching or performing miracles. Now, in between these two provinces, there is another province called Samaria. Now, Samaria was inhabited by a mixed group of people. Many of those Jews that had remained during the time of the captivity married with heathens that came to live in the land. And as a result, we have a mixed group who are not Jewish, but they may have some knowledge of the Jewish religion, but they have developed their own culture and their own religion. As a result, the Samaritans were hated by the Jews even to the extent that if the people of Galilee would travel to Jerusalem for one of the feasts, they would not travel through Samaria, but they would travel around. They would cross over the Jordan River, travel through Perea, and then cross over again into Judea. Yet, we will notice that the Lord Jesus did travel through Samaria. He did have work to do also in Samaria. We mentioned Perea on the other side of the Jordan River. That is not part of Palestine itself. There were Jews living there, but that was more of a travel route for the Jews, especially from Galilee, so that they would not have to travel through Samaria. In part three, we wish to focus then on the government of the Jews. And then we know that the Jews at that time were part of the Roman Empire. And the Roman government had established different parts in its empire. And we know that King Herod ruled over Palestine. We will meet King Herod several times in our study and his son as well but we focus particularly on the local government. The Romans allowed the Jews to have a religious government. This government we call the Sanhedrin. It is a council of 70 men, consisting of scribes, of Pharisees, and of Sadducees. The scribes were the men that studied the laws of God. They would write and make the laws, and they would interpret the laws. The Pharisees were the largest group 
of the Sanhedrin. They were a very pious and a very strict group of people. And we notice that they believed in the whole Old Testament, as well as the resurrection of the dead and angels. Now that is important because the other sect of the Sanhedrin, called the Sadducees, did not believe in the whole Old Testament. They only believed in the first five books, the books of Moses. They also did not believe in the resurrection of the dead or of angels. Very striking when we think of it, because the high priest was even a Sadducee. And so when we think of the Jewish religion, then of course we think of their feasts. Now, since the time of the captivity, the Jews had built synagogues throughout their whole land, as well as in neighboring countries, wherever there were Jews, enough Jews living. But the Jews would all return to Jerusalem for the three main feasts of the year. We focus particularly on the feast of the Passover, because that was the most important feast of the Jews. That is when they remembered that they were delivered out of Egypt. But we also use this as a time block to measure the ministry of Christ, because the Lord Jesus would also go to Jerusalem for the Passover. In part five, we come to the Gospels of the New Testament. And the question would often rise, why are there four Gospels? It would be so much easier, also for our Bible study, if there was one Gospel that would list all of the events of the life of Christ in order. But no, it has pleased the Lord to inspire four men to write a gospel. And God has a purpose for everything he does. He also has a purpose for four gospels. Because we notice that each gospel is written for a special group of people. The first gospel is the gospel of Matthew. We may believe that it was written by Matthew, also known as Levi the Publican, who was a disciple of Jesus, and he wrote primarily to the Jews. And you notice that throughout the Gospel of Matthew, because he makes many references to the Old Testament, using the Old Testament to prove that Jesus is the Christ is the Messiah. The second gospel is Mark. This one we may believe is written by John Mark, who was a follower or a helper of Peter. And Peter had much work to do amongst the Romans. And as a result, we see that Mark writes his gospel primarily to the Roman Christians. The third gospel is written by Luke. Luke was the beloved physician of Paul. He traveled with Paul in his last missionary journeys. And so again, we see that because Paul did so much work in the Greek empire, then 
Luke emphasizes his gospel to the Greek Christians throughout the empire. And finally, the fourth gospel was written by John. John was the beloved disciple of Jesus. Now, we would expect that John would write the clearest account. He was with Jesus throughout the whole ministry of the Lord Jesus on earth. But no, John writes a spiritual gospel. He is teaching us the deeper meanings of Christ's work. And he is focusing primarily on the Christians throughout the empire. He is speaking to their heart. Now we should also note that not everything that Jesus taught or did is recorded in the Gospels. Even Jesus says it himself that if everything was written, then the books could not contain it. But we do know that there is enough written to show us and to prove to us that Jesus is truly the Son of God. And there is enough written to make us wise unto salvation. That is also our wish for these lessons, that as we pick events, because we cannot cover everything, that the Lord would use this study to make us wise unto salvation. We hope that you will join us for the next lessons. Thank you.